You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, and this is episode number six. I'm pretty excited about this because I get to share two of my favorite Bible stories, Hagar and Jonah. Now you're probably wondering, what do they have in common? Well, not much, except they both ended up serving the same God. So we're going to dive into what obedience means and how that looks in each one of their stories. We also talk about planting ourselves by living water so that we not only are nourished, but that we in turn can nourish other people. That if we tap into living water today, we can actually nourish those who are in our future. So let's dive right into this episode that I am calling Trusting in the Living Water. You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast. I'm JC, and this is the place where we get real, sharing truthful insights that will encourage us to make intentional choices in both life and business. I want to start conversations that not many young Christians today are having. Will you join me? This podcast is brought to you by my new book, The Glitter Effect. Have you ever spilled glitter? It's almost impossible to get every speck back into the bottle. This is exactly how our influence is with the people around us. What we say and do matters, especially if we are to reflect Christ. Are you ready to leave behind a legacy that shines for Him? Then grab your copy today on Amazon by searching for The Glitter Effect or head to the show notes for a direct link. All right, episode six, here we go. I really can't believe we're here. Um, Didn't we just start this podcast? Anyway, uh, we really have been on a journey together. I feel like the last episode got really deep and personal. And I did really enjoy sharing stories with you. Um, That's one of the things that I feel God's been working on me is being more vulnerable, being more relatable by just sharing stories real things that have happened in my life that he worked through and honestly they happened and I think that's something that you'll be able to listen to and either agree or disagree but it's something human (laughs) and that is all we want is that human connection right so I know there's some things that might be confusing to you maybe there's some terminology I use maybe there's a concept that doesn't make any sense um or maybe you liked it I'm not really sure but if you have any questions whatsoever if you're listening to a podcast episode and you're like JC I have no idea what you're talking about and you're kind of losing me here I want you to know you can email me anytime helloawesomeshop at gmail.com or if you're on Instagram you can dm me at helloawesomeshop And I would love to talk with you and chat with you and hopefully answer any questions that you might have. So that said, here is today's episode. Not exactly sure how it's going to go, but God knows. Now, last episode, we looked at the life of the rich man and we talked about investing our hearts in the right things. That what we invest in, we ingest in and ultimately affects the people around us. And today, I want us to really look into two stories and talk about obedience. These two people I feature in chapter six and seven of the Glitter Effect book, and I felt God wanted me to present them together in this lesson. 
There may be a few things that I share that's actually not in the book, but that's how God works, right? He's free-flowing. See, if we are to become trees of righteousness like our elders, and if we are to obey the word and be like a tree, we need water. Water is a clean and pure element. Physically, it is essential to the system of the human body, and we can't function properly without it, right? We need water to survive. We might be able to survive weeks without food, but not many days without water. And spiritually, the Lord Jesus Christ is constantly providing water freely without stopping from a heart that is full of mercy and grace. John 4:14 says, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. It's in this idea of well water that we go into our first story. Now, in their old age, Abram and Sarai had yet to conceive the promised child that the Lord assured them was coming. Their impatience grew until Sarai had a brilliant idea. Don't we women always have good ideas? (laughs) She gave Abram permission to take Hagar, her servant, and have a child with her. Brilliant. Now, Abraham actually yielded to this. He yielded to the voice of his wife, and a son was born. Sarai instantly regretted the decision and treated Hagar very harshly. Heartbroken, Hagar fled and found refuge by a fountain. Genesis 16:7. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. The Lord had mercy and compassion on Hagar. He gave her the name Ishmael for the baby boy. Now, Ishmael is Hebrew for Yishmael, which is God will hear. The Lord promised Hagar that her seed will be multiplied. And this moment changed her life. In the International Standard Version, Genesis 16, 13, and 14 says this. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are God who sees, because I have truly seen the one who looks after me. That is why the spring was called the well of the living one who looks after me. How beautiful is that? And as the Lord instructed her to do, Hagar then returned to Sarai. Can you imagine that? Like, think about it. Imagine the humility. I assume Hagar did not want to do this, but she believed in the Lord and his word at the well. See, Hagar had an advocate. She had a protector. She had a provider. Hagar was obedient and faithful. She was a woman who wanted to be a good mother. As I was preparing for this message, the Lord began to give me three words. Humble, meek, lowly. Three words I always thought I couldn't relate to as a fire-blooded Hispanic woman. I'm not quiet or passive, and so I really couldn't understand how to be obedient to these three things. But that's because my concept was wrong. You see, humble, meek, and lowly are not personality traits. Humble, meek, and lowly are how to respond with the right attitude in spite of your personality. Can I get an amen? It doesn't mean you can't be bold or have opinions. It doesn't mean to be quiet all the time or to be a welcome mat. Humble, meek, lowly are ways to position your posture so that you're in line with God. James 4, 6 says, Wherefore he saith, 
God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Psalm 147, 6 says, The Lord lifted up the meek, he casteth the wicked down to the ground. And Psalms 138, 6 says, Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. When God told Hagar to go back to Sarai, she responded in a humble, meek, and lowly way, despite the injustice, unfairness, and abuse. Scripture doesn't record any argument between her and the Lord, but Hagar obeyed when she really wanted to run. Now, her response did not erase the hurt, but it opened the door for healing. As the story continues, the Lord changes Abram's name to Abraham and Sarai's name to Sarah in preparation of the legacy they both will have through the promised child, Isaac. However, God did not forget Hagar and Ishmael. In Genesis 21, Ishmael was no longer an infant, but a growing teenager. In fact, he was about 14 or slightly older. And Sarah becomes very frustrated with him um, when he starts to cause trouble during a ceremony for Isaac, who has now arrived, right? The promised child is here, and now this other child that she didn't want is kind of causing trouble. Sarah demands Abraham to send both Ishmael and Hagar away. Though Abraham is grieved at this, the Lord tells him to follow through. And he does. God wanted Abraham to trust him and the promise he had for Ishmael. And so Abraham gave Hagar and Ishmael some bread, one bottle of water, and sent them away. You can find this reference in Genesis 21, 9 through 14. Now Abraham only gave them one bottle of water. And so as they wandered into the wilderness, the water eventually ran out. And Ishmael became weak. So Hagar placed him under a shrub for shade and stayed close. She lifted up her voice and wept, as Ishmael most likely groaned in anguish. Ishmael's life could not go on much longer without water. Genesis 21, 17-19 says, And God heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven, and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thy hand, for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. Hagar felt so helpless, so she called out to her helper, she believed the one who nourished her when she needed it most could nourish her son. If we can place ourselves in line with God and stay faithful, he will use our influence to bring water to the thirsty. God has a well of water to replenish and satisfy souls. When we aren't tapped into the source, the well runs dry and there's no water to give to the children. Without a well of water, their thirst will draw them away to fill the need with other things, things opposite of what God wants them to digest, and their spiritual health will deteriorate. We can't afford to be a stagnant fountain. Stagnant water produces deadly bacteria. Now, this was something I had to research for this book, and it's astounding. 
I'm sure the well water in the wilderness God revealed to Hagar was sitting there a while. Just think about that. Maybe the water smelled as the bacteria broke down whatever living organisms were left. But in that moment, Hagar didn't even think twice to reach down and pull up the water. It might not have been clean, but God was involved. Hagar wasn't concerned about the state of that motionless well water. She had an advocate and her son needed a miracle. You see, the danger of the church is an abandoned well. We can't survive with the water we've been holding onto for days and weeks and years. We need to be constantly tapped into his free-flowing fountain. Otherwise, we are left with stagnant water to feed our children. And the result is messy as a glitter spill. The lives attached to ours might end up looking at the scattered pieces and following every shiny lead away. The next generation might have no idea that there was even a water source to go to. The fountain is waiting, but they become too busy filling their buckets with everything else. Submission can change the course of our legacy. We never know how our submission to God can help the ones we love. Hagar continually responded correctly to the Lord in spite of how she felt, and the result saved her son's life. Even though the well water on its own was unsafe, she connected to the real living water. Isaiah 55, 6-9 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This brings me to our second story. My son David has always been fascinated with Jonah. He has commented on the way Jonah disobeys God's orders and runs away. See, if you ever knew my son David, you would know he's the kid that if another kid was acting up in public, he would be so embarrassed for that kid. And he would look around for the adult in charge. He loves structure. And so I'm really praying he'll be a lawyer someday because professional snitches probably don't go to heaven. But um, I want you to think about this. Could Jonah have predicted that one choice would be written down and retold generations later? Of course not. But here we are. Now that is the glitter effect in a nutshell. How our choices affect people in the present and in the future. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Mamatei, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it, to go into them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Jonah 1, 1-3 So very quickly, Jonah already has to pay a cost for disobeying the Lord. He literally has to pay money as he tries to run away. So silly. Jonah was not concerned at all for the Ninevites. 
But the Lord sent out a great wind unto the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. Jonah 1, 4 through 5. Now let's pause for a minute. Have you ever heard of the term crossfire? On a battlefield, crossfire is when a line of gunfire from opposite sides cross. It's the meeting point of conflict. Crossfire can harm innocent bystanders who walk right into the middle of the meeting point. By fleeing God and boarding that ship, Jonah led the mariners right into the crossfire of his own spiritual battle. Be aware who stands in the crossfire of your conflicts. The scripture gives no mention that Jonah was concerned about the lives of the innocent sailors on board that ship. He doesn't seem to care about anybody at all, one bit. And he doesn't even care that they're panicking, crying out to false gods when he knew the real God. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us, that we perish not. Jonah 1.6 So eventually the captain wakes up Jonah because everybody is crying out to their gods except for him. The captain tells Jonah to do the same in hopes that they will survive this horrific storm in the middle of the sea. However, it doesn't take long before the truth is revealed. Jonah was part of the problem. His crossfire with God endangered the sailors. You see, Jonah's choice to flee because of fear caused fear to rise up in the hearts of the mariners. Jonah had questioned if God would truly deliver the people of Nineveh if he obeyed and preached to them. Jonah lacked trust in the Lord. He allowed his own emotions to guide his path, and that affected other people. Obedience requires denying yourself. Disobedience requires denying God. Jonah's disobedience was no longer his issue alone. And as the story goes on, he suggests that the men throw him overboard to save themselves. Now this is the beginning of repentance within Jonah. The only way to make this right was to plunge into the water. But the sailors really didn't want to do that. They even tried rowing harder, but the storm was too great. Then something amazing happened. The same men who called out to false gods turned their hearts and cried out to the Lord. Idolaters began to understand the truth about God. At this point, Jonah has yet to utter a word to the Lord about the situation. But the sailors pleaded in prayer before throwing Jonah into the chaotic sea. As his body plunged into the water, the waves became calm. What a confirmation that there's only one God and he heard the men's prayer. They responded with reverence and made promises to the Lord. So at the end of this entire ordeal, God was glorified. And you can finish reading that in Jonah 1, 12-16. When our choices line up with his will, that's when miracles are born. God knew the events that would unfold. He knew what was in Jonah's heart. That's why there was a big fish waiting for him. When the Lord brings us to a place where we are staring into the deep end of our trials, 
we can either fear drowning or trust that he has prepared a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. The Lord already had a plan in place. Jonah was led to prayer and repentance in that fish belly. The Lord again commanded Jonah to go preach to Nineveh, and this time he obeyed. Jonah was ready to fulfill his calling. There was still work that needed to be done in that stubborn heart of Jonah. But he did become a great prophet, and he will forever be known as the chosen vessel used to save the Ninevites from destruction. Humble, meek, lowly. Jonah's first response to God was not any of those things. It was more like proud, arrogant, haughty. I can relate to those. But Jonah's story gives me hope that there's room to grow in God, even if our first response to him is not correct. Our story doesn't have to end that way because we still have time to make a better choice. We still have time to approach God now with the right response and align with his will. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. James 1, 21 and 22. What's our response when we hear the word of God? When God has something to say to us, do we flee or do we yield? Are we just choosing defense mechanisms we've put up in place as a way to protect ourselves? Or are we like Hagar saying, you are the God who sees because I have truly seen the one who looks after me. Do you remember the last time God met you at a well? A moment in your life where you were dry and thirsty, crying out in desperation for some nourishment and he showed up. Do you remember that day? Because God doesn't want you to forget it. He doesn't want that to be a one-time event in your life. He wants you to continually be tapped into his free-flowing water so that drought isn't part of your story or part of your legacy. Somewhere down the road, Jonah lost vision. He wasn't tapped into God the way he should have been, so when the call came, he ran. We're not an island of one. Our choices matter. What we say matters. What we do matters especially as adults who are raising children in a world that's going to try and fill them up with everything else but God. If we want the next generation of believers to thrive, we need to stay by the water source. At the end of the day, they will have free will, and they're going to make their own choices. But you know what? I'm going to keep being tapped in and replenish my soul and be a fountain because the call is bigger than me. Your calling is bigger than you. But that shouldn't scare you. It should put fire in you because we have a God who sees. We have an advocate, a healer, a fountain of everlasting water that can supply any need at any time. And you know, Hagar wasn't just returning to Sarah's house. The head of that house, Abraham, knew God. He was a righteous man. He made some terrible choices, but I'm sure he taught about the law and the principles of God. Sarah wasn't the only one influencing the situation. I'm fully convinced Hagar saw Abraham pray and heard him speak to the Lord. 
God had placed her under authority and she yielded to that authority. Your emotions can't dictate your legacy. We're unstable humans. People are fickle. We can't go chasing every thought and every wave of emotion we feel. It's not biblical to live that way. Ephesians 4, 14 and 15 says, That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. 1 John 4, 4-6 through 6 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Trees need water, and so do we. A healthy tree will provide healthy fruit. When we have his living water flowing continually within us, there's hope that our legacy will eventually nourish others. Wow, I don't know about you, but I'm really feeling the presence of the Lord in these episodes. And I, I'm not saying that boastfully. I really do feel like the Lord is using this series. And I hope and pray that you um, are being touched and blessed by this as well. Thank you for listening. I so appreciate you. And I cannot wait to continue this series as we go into episode number seven. Have a great day, my sweet friend. And I'll talk to you soon. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Hello Awesome Ministries? It will encourage me that you were blessed. Also, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you can tune into future episodes. For more information about all things Hello Awesome, head to helloawesomeshop.com. Until next time, keep your chin up, beautiful.